Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. We got Nada Edwards from the Eye on College Basketball podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. What's going on, my man? Wes, what's going on? Long time no talk, man. <laughs> I know, long time, but I definitely was following you on Twitter. And so checking out your dialogue from last night, man, got to get your opinion on what you thought about the lottery and how everything turned out for Buzz City. I think, like, once you get, and now mind you, once you get past not getting Victor is a very, very tall mountain climb. And I understand why there are a bunch of us that cannot get there. I understand that. But the next best option, like, we're getting probably the biggest, well, let, let, let me slow it down a little bit. Scoot Henderson is probably the best point guard prospect or best guard prospect we've seen in the draft since Kyrie Irving. This is the guy that potentially could be here. 6'2 guy with 6'9 wingspan. So for me, this was probably the next best option as to not getting Victor Wembanyama. So I'm, I'm still good with it. I was good with a top-five pick. I'm just glad they're not drafting 7-3. So what was your reaction as the cards came down, especially when we got to three? Did your hopes just really, really get up, or did you feel like no matter what, the Panthers were always – not the Panthers, the Hornets were always going to finish with uh, not getting Victor Wembanyama? Uh, unfortunately, I carry too much baggage to where <laughs> – <laughs> I never thought that they were getting one unless I saw the the card happen on its own. So I carry way too much baggage to ever believe in that. So once we got to three, I'm like, you know what? It's a win. It means either Brandon Miller, one of the Thompson twins, or maybe even Scoot Henderson. Once we got to two, like once we got past three, everything was gravy to me, man, quite honestly. Well, okay. But nada, nada. Look. I know you're telling the truth. You are so right. I think that's an accurate depiction. But Nada, you got to give me something. There, there's got to be excited Nada watching Mark Tatum not have revealed the Hornets logo yet and think, oh my God, we might actually get Victor Wembanyama after spending all day on social media trying to bring balance, trying to make sure that people were okay if they didn't get Wimby. Even you had to get a little excited. That heart had to palpitate a little bit more after you saw the Hornets not be revealed until two. Walker, you've known me for four years. How many times have you actually seen me excited? I, I know. That's why I thought maybe last night was the night. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Mm. I, I have to, be, like, you got to verify and then we trust it. <laughs> and with this team, with this team and the luck of this team, I mean, but let's go back 12 months. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And then you expect me to actually get excited? Before the card is actually shown with this team? Absolutely not. No way. <laughs> not as damaged, and I understand why. I, I tried to put you on know. a brave face forever. You know, you're right. You're right. We, I tried to put on a brave face yesterday. But I still think it's a great night, as do you. It's not a Edwards of the Ion College Basketball Podcast joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Let's also start with the debate that we'll be having for the next month. Now, maybe you and I are firmly entrenched in the Scoot Henderson camp, but Brandon Miller is going to hear his name quite a bit brought up in these debates a lot of Hornets fans are going to hear about whether it 
should be Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson at number two. Why are you choosing Scoot over Brandon, the differences and maybe even the similarities between the two? Because quite honestly, I do not believe in the athleticism of one Brandon Miller. I think that there are signs. You start looking at the San Diego State game. You look at some of those games in the SEC where he had issues getting by his man and then also getting at the rim, getting to the rim, finishing at the rim. If you're going to go to the NBA, which is a very, very athletic league, you either have to have the footwork to get there or you got to have the athleticism. Brandon Miller has neither. On top of the fact that we're also talking about Scoot Henderson, who might be, as I will continue to say, the best guard prospect we have seen come into the draft since Kyrie Irving. And mind you, this is a dude with the Latin phrase caveat on his necklace, which means beware. That man has some dog in him that we have not (laughs) seen in the league in such a long time. Go get the guy with the dog in him because at this point, you can't tell me that the Charlotte Hornets don't need that kind of guy playing 30, 35 minutes a night. Now, now that you put it that way and you talk about that, I've been saying that that's what the Hornets need in that locker room for quite some time now. But what do you say to the people who say, like myself, like that he can't shoot? And at the NBA, when we look at the playoffs right now, dominated by the big wing players. And I'm not a big believer in Brandon Miller as well, but I just feel like with Scoot Henderson, we've seen this story a few times before with the small guard that drives a lot. I know he's got some thickness to him, but just being in that mode of the Derrick Roses and the guys like that that can't ultimately get their teams over the hump in the long run. Two things on that. One, we're talking about when you talk about Scoot Henderson's jump shot and his three-point percentage, and then someone pointed this out to me, and it was a really good point. You have to look at the off-the-bounce threes and then also the catch-and-shoot threes. With, with Scoot Henderson, I think there's going to be a lot more catch-and-shoot threes. That's the first point. The other point is we've seen this story of small, somewhat small guard can't shoot in Charlotte work because Kemba Walker was not a good three-point shooter for the first three years of his career. Got with a guy by the name of Bruce Kreutzer, mind you, is still on this staff with Steve Clifford in the second go-round. That's why you believe in Scoot Henderson on top of his epic workout, work ethic. Like, that's the guy. You get, you get a guy that's willing to work on his jump shot with a guy that has fixed multiple jump shots, including the greatest player of this franchise in franchise history's jump shot. That's why you do it. Now, we've seen after the draft that they had Brandon Miller slotted to the Hornets, and then you see different mock drafts that have him as the pick. Why do you think the Hornets would take him over Scoot Henderson? The, the issue, the reason is the three-point shooting. If you think that Brandon Miller can be some of that, that Chris Middleton, that Jason, I, I think Jason Tatum's a little bit too far because Jason Tatum was far more advanced at the same age. But if you think he can be that Chris Middleton, he can be that score, that three-point shooter that they desperately need because people will justifiably point out this team was one of the bottom three-point shooting teams in the league last year. Brandon Miller immediately fixes that. So I completely understand. the And that I, like, I get it, but I would also say if they're drafting that, you're also kind of banking on maybe him improving his finishing at the rim. And for a guy that's 6'8", 6'9", you would hope it would be a lot better than it actually is.
That's not Edwards of the Ion College Basketball Podcast joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Maybe we get a little 27 talk in here. Now, not I know you think they might actually trade this pick. I could absolutely see that happening with Mitch Kupchak at the helm. But let's just say they hold on to it and figure out a guy to take late the first round and trade their second round picks. Is there someone locally that might make sense? Maybe one of the Duke players that would have entered this draft. Maybe a Terquavion Smith at NC State. A G.G. Jackson out of South Carolina. Any of those names? Uh, is there any of those names that you like there with the uh, late first round pick for Charlotte? I like G.G. Jackson. I think he's a project. He is. He would be in the Kai Jones, J.T. Thor mold of you go to Greensboro, figure out how to play and then we'll see where we are a year from now. I like him. I think he's a very, very, very intriguing prospect. Did some serious damage to those folks in Lexington, Kentucky this year. I like, I like his game. I think there's a maturity issue there. Therefore, like, you like him at 27. You would love him more with that, sec- that first, second-round pick that they have because that way he understands this ain't a game. you got to come here to work. So, but of the names you named, I kind of like Gigi Jackson because I think when you think of the skill set and the tools, he pops in a way that I don't think anybody else in that range. And mind you, this is a deeper class in, in normal circumstances. I think he's the guy that pops more than anybody else in the draft in the, draft, in the 20s. All right, well, let's continue to focus on some college basketball. I mentioned some of the Duke guys that did enter the draft and Lively and Whitehead, but Jeremy Roach just announced this week that he is coming back on top of Tyrese Proctor alongside Kyle Filipowski. Nada, you tell me as the college basketball podcast aficionado, should Duke be the preseason number one and how close is it? No, because I think Kentucky is better. Okay. I think, I think Kentucky has a lot more of the senior-laden stuff that takes that it takes to win. I do think Duke is going to be incredibly good. But if you're telling me right now, in the middle of May, on a neutral, give me Kentucky right now because, quite honestly, they win the battle of the match, the matchup of the players. And more importantly, Bill Self is probably the best coach in college basketball right now. So if you're telling me that Duke is like top two, top three, cool. But I'm not ready to go number one with them just just yet. Nada, we expected success from Duke, obviously, under John Shire in his first season. But it feels like he overachieved. And then now with all of these guys coming back, with four or five-star freshmen coming in, is this the season where he really feels the pressure of what it's like replacing Coach K? He absolutely should, because if you're getting all this talent and you're not winning, you become John Calipari after a while. So he's got to start winning. He's got to start doing some things. Now, granted, this is year two. He's still got some stuff to figure out, but I expect them to win the ACC handily. I expect two, three rounds. I expect them to probably be in the finals of the ACC tournament. And more importantly, I expect them to at least get to an Elite Eight. Like, I think that much is fair to ask at this point because they're bringing back multiple guys that you're probably going to see in, the, in like the top half of the NBA draft next season. So there's going to be that expectation of winning because they have that much talent. It's just up to him to get the most out of it at this point. And then what do you see their crosstown rivals right now when you talk about North Carolina and what they've done in the transfer portal? Where do you think they sit today? TBD, because... I think there's. I think they got at least one more guy they're going to get. 
I just Hubert wanted wanted to do this his way. He got Caleb out of there smartly. I kind of there's a part of me that does worry. Okay, now that you've got your guys, you can't flop. You can't have these these middling part of the the middle of your season and not be impressive in anything. Unfortunately, like I don't know what they have because I'm not sure Hubert understands what he has yet. But he's got to hit the ground running. Otherwise, we're going to be talking about at this point in the next year who the new North Carolina coach is going to be. Not a last question before we get you out of here. Just about college basketball. It, it, the, any team in the Carolinas, right? NC State, Wake Forest with Steve Forbes operating in the portal, and even North Carolina. I think with Harrison Ingram, I think they entered the conversation. I love his playmaking with the heels. That's a different type of player than they've had in a while. Out of all those schools, who do you think won the transfer portal battle? As far as uh, any of the schools within North Carolina in the ACC, let's hold off. It's Duke, and only because I know they have one more scholarship left. And I think, in terms of the transfer portal, they're going to get a center. It's not just going to be Ryan Young. They're going to get another center. They're going to be a little bit better. And for right now, I think, and we've had this conversation last time I was in the studio with you guys, but Duke is kind of running this thing right now. They're ahead of everybody. And I do mean everybody in college basketball in the way they're operating. They're operating this like a professional franchise. And I know people are going to bristle at that, but that's the name of the game right now. You've got to be professional. You've got to have this semi-professional outfit. So for right now, I think it's Duke because Duke understood their needs. They supplemented a lot of what they needed on top of getting those freshmen in and bringing a whole bunch of those guys back. I think it's Duke for right now. That was Nada Edwards, the host of the Eye on College Basketball podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. My man, we'll see you down the road. Absolutely. Talk to you soon, man.